Welcome back to part two of our multi-part series on the evolution of the arcade. Yes, we are. We are back. And you are listening to Podcast for Two People. You've got myself, Tyler, and the lovely, most desirable co-host, Brent. That is me. I'm the Brent. And the most adorable. You know, I kind of felt like we should have mentioned in episode one, off the top, that we would mainly be covering arcades in our home country of America, rather than the whole world. Yeah. Like, especially Japan. Because Japan is really just one giant fucking arcade. Like, don't just... Nagato does not exist. Nagato no, just doesn't exist. It's all uh, Tokyo Akihabara. Yeah, it's all just Akihabara. That's, that's the entire country of Japan. Funny note, that's real a fact, quick. I know. When I was, like, originally thinking of, like, oh, yeah, what was that one area in Japan? Aoki Gahara? <laughs> the fucking suicide forest? No. The Ahegawara? <laughs> I, like, I don't like seeing that. Like, no, uh, that's, not the, that's not the porn for me. <laughs> <laughs> Try again, Pornhub. You failed me this day. So if you haven't listened to last week's episode, you should stop this immediately and turn back while you still can. Well, no. Lest you be caught by Brent's siren song or my dulcet, jazzy NPR tones. Well, no. We will. We'll find you. (laughs) And we will talk at you. (laughs) Like, hey, listen to our podcast. (laughs) Listen to my podcast. (laughs) And you'll turn around and, like, I'm already standing there. (laughs) How's it going? And then, like, your door opens and, like, you're just standing there holding the the frames to the door. Like, hey. Without my shirt on. Yeah, why haven't you listened to part one yet? (laughs) So let's fucking kick it. Here comes part two of the evolution of the arcade. Brent, we bullshitted a lot last episode, aside from the bonus episode, because that was just two and a half hours of bullshit. 100% pure, unfiltered bullshit. Bullshit. But we got to some pretty neat history in between all the rants. Where did we leave off? Uh... So, you know, I didn't listen to the episode. I just put it out. <laughs> just, just a second. I can pull it up for you. Um, I'll wanna, show you here real quick. I want to say we were, like, uh, I, I guess uh, you could say, now I've remembered now, um, it was Good job. the start of the golden age, if you will, of the arcades. Um, we had, like, kind of more uh, household names of games, such as, uh, like, Space Invaders. Yep. Uh, Pac-Man. Yeah. Missile Command. Yeah. I don't think we mentioned that last episode. Pang. 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 <laughs> Pong. There is always Pang. P- Pong will never go away. Pong. So, yeah, um, kind of like the 70s, 80s boom of arcades. Yep, like, I think uh, the last year that we actually ended at was 79. So we're kind of jumping right into the 80s. Very rad. Ratitudes. Right, and with the 80s, the penny got enough point get and became tokens in some places and quarters in others. A truly beautiful story of when a coin with one old beardy dude became a different coin, a bigger coin, with an even older yet less beardy dude. In very much the same dead. <laughs> yeah. Which, if you couldn't guess, generated a metric assload more money. Uh-huh. You know. You would think maybe, say, 25 times the amount more money. I am 25-fold more powerful. (laughs) The number of video game arcades in North America more than doubled between 1980 and 1982. 
roughly 10,000 arcades popped up around this time, which is insane compared to the sad 4,000 arcades in 1998. That's just fucking pathetic. It makes me so fucking depressed. It's like when people are like, man, what about the library in Alexandria? Like, think about how much more shit we could know. It's like, dude, that's probably just a lot of stories about dudes fucking boys. It probably is. But they're like, that's my we, we also found out how to cure AIDS yeah. and cancer before it happened. Yeah, uh, we know. We, we know. <laughs> but it's been burned away. Much like the arcades. Yeah, it's all got lit on fire by like <laughs> the great or pizza, something. The great pizza fire of 83. <laughs> so with the craze of Space Invaders, arcade cabinets also started to appear in supermarkets, restaurants, liquor stores, gas stations, and basically everywhere you could shove a cabinet to try and steal your customers' extra quarters. Which, uh, what a time that would have been, because I would have literally had to play an yeah. arcade cabinet everywhere I went. I yeah. would be the most annoying person to take in public. Because you just, like, don't let, him, don't let him look at fucking Double Dragon. He will play through that Oh, game. I will fucking... I will literally I spend, like, $20 playing Double Dragon. I don't know how he does it, but Dragon. he can fucking one credit clear that game. I wish. I wish. Fuck, dude. If I could, that's all I would do. It's like, hey, you want to see something cool for, like, 30 minutes? And then I just play through Double Dragon. I watched a video of some dude. He was playing uh, with both guns in a Time Crisis cabinet. Dude, what? Yeah, and he was just, like, fucking, re- like, wrecking it. Like, like perfect. both feet on each pedal? He would, like, switch between them and, like... It was the very, yeah, fuck, dude? It was amazing. Oh, I wish I was that guy. But, like, thinking about how many cabinets there were all over the fucking place... Kind of had me wondering, like, there's got to be weird-ass places that those would show up. Like, some guy was just like, hey, yeah, throw a cabinet in there, and, you know, we'll get some quarters. So, like, where's the most fucked up or out of place you've found an arcade game? Um, I, I, I feel like I already told the story. It was probably when I found that Elvira pinball. In the, in the laundromat? In the laundromat. I feel like laundromats are pretty typical. Like, yeah, I mean, it's a time waster. Yeah. Just and like, you already have quarters with yeah. you. You're doing laundry. I don't know. I don't really. Nothing really comes to mind. Huh. I, I never went out. <laughs> <laughs> I was playing consoles. Yeah. <laughs> which comes later in this fucking tale. So mine was actually a car repair shop. One in town here used to have three cabinets. There was Galaga, Centipede, and a fucking Kiss pinball machine. Like, I feel like there's probably something I could think of, but it's it's just not kind of... I don't remember my childhood. It's fogged. <laughs> oh, so it's like in front of a Super Nintendo. <laughs> right. It's repressed memories of all the arcade games you didn't get to play. Probably, though. Right? I don't want to know what happened to those cabinets after that repair shop closed. It hurts my fucking soul, dude. And I ask this question because during the early 80s, it wasn't too uncommon to find at least a cabinet or two in a funeral home of all places. (laughs) Hey, kids. Sorry mommy's dead. Here's some quarters. Try to beat your old man's score in Danky Kang. You know what'll cheer you up? I got a quarter here. You can be my player, too. We're going through, uh... Oh, final fight. Final fight. (laughs) You can be Hagar. You can be Hagar. I know that I really like to play Hagar, but you can play Hagar this time, and I'll play as Cody. Guy. Guy. (laughs) Oh, shit. That's my hood. (laughs) I fucking wish I could have played that game. (laughs) So, like I said before, the amount of money these games made got so ridiculous, dude. Here's some numbers real quick. $50 $50 million in 1978, around $900 million in 81. In three years, arcade games profit multiplied by 18 times. 
That's just what the game's generated from switching to quarters. Now you've gotta be thinking, if that's how much the cabinets are making, then what the hell are the game companies making? I don't know, they just like sell the cabinets and then like that's it? Well, see, that's just the business end of it. Yeah, I mean, like, they'd sell the cabinets and then be like, oh, do you need us to come out and work on it? Yeah. Oh, here's a fucking update. We'll send some techs out. Do you want your updated fucking cabinet? And I'll kind of get into just how many units they were moving as well. Because around 500,000 cabinets were sold in the United States as high as $3,000 per unit in 82 alone. That's fucking nuts. So you want to know where your uh, massive amount of money, your $900 million and uh, just like quarters comes from? Well, probably the 500,000 cabinets you just sold. <laughs> Can you imagine uh, $90 million of quarters? quarters. <laughs> it sounds like it smells bad. I mean, yeah, just a smothering, crippling weight. So as far as I could find, there were about 24,000 full arcades, 400,000 arcade businesses that had at least one cabinet, and about 1.5 million cabinets active in North America. So that'd be like, your arcade businesses are like your Papa John's that has a fucking Space Invaders in it. Mm -hmm. You know, and they were everywhere. They were everywhere. And uh, that generated $8.9 billion in commercial game sales. So that's where you get selling those cabinet monies and then the repairs and everything like that. It's all, it's all revenue. And that's before the home sales of consoles and games. Add those sales and you'd have nearly $13 billion. And that's like early 1980s money. Yeah. That's... So much fucking money. That's a lot of Coke and strippers money. It is. And according to one of my sources, that's more than Hollywood and the music industry combined for that year. Video games were beating ticket sales of every major sport. Fun other bit of info? They earned double the amount that every casino in Nevada combined did in that same year. There's some angry mafia bosses. Oh, yeah. And then, like, like, what the fuck are we making these arcade cabinets? We can do that. And I imagine, like, the people that were behind, say, like, Konami and Nintendo at the time were like, I'm a fucking rock star. <laughs> yeah. Like, I have a fucking villa. I have a villa for when I don't want to go to my villa. The house that Asteroids built. Yeah, a chateau, yeah. if you will. The <laughs> chateau that chateau, Asteroids built. Chateau de Pack. <laughs> So all the numbers aside, let's talk about some of the true success of this uh, kind of era and some of the companies during that time. It was, as you could imagine, an incredibly competitive field of entertainment, and some games just didn't make the cut. Everyone wanted in, but not every game was a hit. If you've listened to any of our other episodes on game companies or important folks, you'll know that failure happens often. The lifetime of some of these cabinets was just four to six months, and a lot of companies went belly up. Right now, let's haul at some MVPs. (laughs) And they go like this. Taito. Duh, bitch. They gave us Space Invaders. And they gave us uh, Darius. Yeah. They would would bring us Darius, dude. It was all worth it. And I just got uh, Chronicle Saviors because it was on sale. It was fantastic. Finally, fake fan. Dude, it was on my PSTV, <laughs> and it got lost, and then it got stolen after it got lost. Yeah. It was double gone. Double double bad. And now gone. I double have it. Namco, because Pac-Man Fever, heat it up! 
and fucking Dig Dug, I guess. Yeah, Pac-Man's signature move. <laughs> Ghost beat up Busta. And that's when he, like, folds backwards in on himself, but then, like, Revealing comes his out, true form. Like, giant and just gobbles up the maze. You Shin. have to get to level 999. Shin Pac-Man. Yeah, I've, I've seen it. Shin Pac. Namco's still a beast with their arcade fighters now, too. Yeah. Like, they will never leave the arcade scene. Atari. The company many consider the founding granddaddy quarter thief. These are the guys that gave us the computer space butt plug cabinet and paw. And fucking asteroids. Which to me is just schmup light. You got a uh, root beer tapper. Oh, or yeah, it's our beer, beer tapper. Beer tapper. Or just tapper. But then tapper. they're like, hey, it's beer. That's... It's not good to sell to the kids. It's root beer. It's, it's root beer now. It's root That's beer a fun now. game, though. Right? Some notable mentions. We got Sega, who gave us Turbo, which was a really fun racing title. Mm-hmm. And uh, it kind of did a first. It had the third-person view for racing, but from the rear, which now it's like the norm, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and they also gave us Zaxxon. I think I played that once. Probably. Nintendo yeah, yeah. Nintendo gave I us... I know that game. Danky Kang. That's it. Yeah, and... That's uh, all... That's all b- before Mario was Mario, he was Jumpman. Jumpman, yep. Jumpman. They, there was a Super Mario... Or it wasn't Super Mario. It was just called Mario Brothers, I think. Mm-hmm. That was an arcade game where yeah. you... It was like a, like a battle mode. Yeah, and then there was also Donkey Kong Jr. <laughs> so, Bally Midway. Mm-hmm. Bally Midway. They uh they brought Pac-Man to the U.S. and they were like, "Here you guys go, it Pac-Man." And they're like, "Well, we did that, so we're totally at liberty to just steal your game, add a little bow on the Pac-Man, and now we have Miss Pac-Man." And they released Miss Pac-Man, but uh, the game we really need to know more about that they released, Satan's Hollow. Do um I don't know if it's still up, but Midway. Midway's website, when they were still up, had like mm-hmm. um, all like pretty much all their classic arcade games emulated on their website. What? Yeah, and you just go and like play them. I play like Robotron. That would be so great. Um, there's like Bubble Scrubber or something. Yeah. Pretty fun. Uh, Joust. Joust, yeah. And yeah, Satan's Hollow. Honestly, like with Satan's Hollow, like you need to go look at a cabinet picture because it's like this like deep hellfire red with like Satan on the sides. Yeah. And, and it's com- it's just really dope. Oh yeah, I was thinking of Sinistar. Sinistar. Where like he'd come out and laugh at you. And it was like, whoa, I'm being antagonized by this game. Yeah, so I mean like this this was one of the kind of like Galaga Space Invaders style games where you shot flying formations of gargoyles in order to pick up pieces of a bridge that you had to build over like a river of lava which is you know pretty fucking metal uh but yeah uh cinematronics tons they made a fuckload of games but mainly they gave us zizix (laughs) which is literally just pac-man but you played as the pro tag known as zizix z z z y z z y x x um, have you have you played a, a Gorf? Gorf? No, what the fuck <laughs> is Gorf? Cool. It was like a. Is that real? Yeah. Uh, or it was like Gorf. Gorf. Gorm. Gorm. G O R F. So yeah, like you played a Zizix and you would go through a maze and you'd kind of collect different items that allowed you to interact with the maze in different ways, and the whole time you're just trying to get to the love of your life, Lola, as you're being chased by. Uh, Three weird-looking 
creatures, and they were named Boris, Smoot, and Bluto. <laughs> I am Bluto. I call Bluto. I'll be Smoot. Smoot tracks. <laughs> SNK. <laughs> Gorf is real. Insert Gorf. <laughs> Insert your Gorf to play the Gorf. <laughs> Make sure you bring your Gorf to the Gorf game. Yeah. SNK. SN motherfucking K. Yeah. Vanguard. Vanguard. I have not played that. It looked pretty fun. Um, I mean, they did Ikari Warriors. Yeah, dude. Ikari Warriors. Like, these guys really had a lot of, Shuck. like, really fun shmup titles. I'm only more, yeah, familiar with their shit from, like, the 90s. And... Yeah. Like, the big thing to me with SNK is it's, like, really kind of strange that they went the way of, like, fighting games. Mm -hmm. Or, like, just beat up. Yeah. And then... Like, they had Ikari Warriors and Vanguard. They they have a rich shmup history, and it's kind of like, what are you doing with that? Like, bringing it back maybe a little bit? I don't know. I'm in, like, kind of like a big shmup, uh, shmup field right now. Like, I'm just really excited to go back and play Darius. Yeah, sure? Darius. Like I, I, I want to like, see you. Came I in, I was like, hey. <laughs> I want to see you sending me like videos. Like, hey, look at this big dick score I got. Yeah, I'm ready like, for that. I'm ready for that. Like, are I'm, you ready to actually roll with me in like a reflect ship? I wanna. Ooh, shit, dude. I don't know. The Gaiden, <laughs> the Gaiden Silverhawk, dude. It's fun. Big dick bombs, bruh. Yeah. But when I was playing, I was like, man, I really wish I could dual beam right now. Yeah. <sighs> Someday. It's for fast living and fast dying. <laughs> so, like, speaking of big dick point get, yeah. did you fucking know? Actually, you know what? Let's take a fucking minute to toot our horns about our great fart-smelling state of Iowa, since we don't get to do that very much. I want to talk about Ottumwa, Iowa, Brent. Do you know what Ottumwa, Iowa is? Uh, a fart town. <laughs> no. Did you all fucking know that Ottumwa, Iowa is the video game capital of the world? Well, you do now. Maybe that's why I'm a gamer. <laughs> Bitch, buckle up. <laughs> because we're taking you there. On November 30th, 1982, Jerry Parker, Ottumwa's mayor, declared the city the video game capital of the world and became its end boss. <laughs> yeah. Many I'm the mayor of video game town. <laughs> Many records and firsts in video game history happened in Ottumwa, Iowa. Like, right fucking here in Iowa. So, like, deal with that, yeah. bitch. <laughs> Nothing happens here. Well, you're right, but we used to be cool sometimes. Yeah. Atomo gave birth to the Twin Galaxies Intergalactic Scoreboard, which we might be obligated to do an episode on this, Brent. Yeah, I should have warned you of the birthing scene in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it also gave birth to the U.S. National Video Game Team. Good. By the way, those still exist today. Here's some firsts that happened in the video game capital of the world! The first video game themed parade, January 8th, 1983. The first video game world championship, January 8th through the 9th in 83. The first study of the brainwaves of video game champions, July 12th, 1983. <laughs> we must study and understand the, the gamer! gamer. <laughs> <laughs> the first billion point video game performance, January 16th, 1984. The first official day to honor a video game player, January 28th, 1984. I would have loved to be that fucking rock star yeah. <laughs> in Atomwa, Iowa. Now that we're done cranking our dongs about having the world's video game capital in our state and letting you know it's totally not Akihabara, Japan, it's a time for a super sad 
time pod fam it's gonna be real bad for a while yeah uh good times are fleeting yeah um the sad times are always inevitable and they are here now here are now sad time (laughs) so there were tons and tons of games coming out which is really really awesome only problem is they were mostly lots of shmups pac-man clones and donkey kong style games so it came to a point where I if you see had the played, Donkey Kong ripoffs, right? Like <laughs> Monkey Dong, <laughs> J- Jump Boy, <laughs> yeah, starring yeah Hop Guy. <laughs> it's time to fight the Gorilla Dong, <laughs> Gorilla Hong, Hong Dong, Gorilla Man Dong, Redemption Jump Two, to the Twoing, yeah. the Twoing. <laughs> So it came to a point where if you had played six games, you'd have played thousands. This will take us to the very dark time. The book of revelations for video game history. It's the the Old Testament, the part your grandma tells you to skip when she gives you a Bible for Christmas. Hellfire and melted quarters in your fucking cup cup holder in your goddamn The charred remains of many a gamer who <laughs> lay their life on the line. The cheese pizza! It was too hot when I put it in my mouth! But it smelled good. It always smells good, dude. <laughs> so now, as we move on to the seemingly most tragic time in gaming history, this era is known by two names. In America, the video game crash, and the much more shiny and ominous Japanese term, Atari Shaku. <laughs> Yeah, it's Atari Man's final attack. Yeah, he's been charging it the whole match. Yeah. Without you knowing. He only has one button. There were two very big factors that brought the golden age of arcades to its grave. Console sales and personal computers. In 1983, most economical analysts declared the video game industry dead in the water and to make way for the up-and-coming PC market. The industry would not go down without a fight, however, and it became a massive beast backed into a corner. It felt that it had every right to do what it did next. The U.S. game industry had lobbied D.C. for dollar coins to be printed small, close to that of a quarter. They argued that inflation, which had reduced the quarter's value by 66% in the early 80s, was causing the industry to be choked. The Susan B. Anthony Buck coin was used in 79, and its size fit the industry's demands, but it failed with the general public. Funny enough... We don't like change. Right. We do- Hey, that's a pun. Nice. Punny enough, most people complained about the new coin's similarity to the quarter. It was very easy to get them mixed up. You know, you get... Like, you try to use a quarter... I mean, like, as a cashier, like, I have to deal with, like... Imagine that. Like, having to look at every fucking there's coin. Like, yeah, there's, like, dollar coins. Like, look. sir, this is actually a quarter, so yeah. now your change is going to be real fucky. Like, like, this looks like a quarter, but it's actually a dollar coin, or, like... Right. And so it's like, well, you know, the world was still... This nickel's actually Canadian. <laughs> like, oh get this shit out of here. Fuck. No disrespect to Canadian. But it's, you're in America. It's you worth 4.25 quarters. <laughs> you see that flag out there? In case you forgot, this is America, so there's a big-ass flag waving, you know? But it's like a dude gaping his asshole on a white background. Yeah. The flag is planted down his butt. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's just like, really great idea, guys. 
but you're really thinking too narrow-minded. Yeah, this is going to work for the arcades and shit. But like, what about the rest of the <laughs> yeah? Country? What yeah? What about the rest of the fucking country? And like while, video games, though. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, they were a roughly dude. Like they were almost eighty-seven percent of the entertainment industry yeah. at the time. They had the power and reason to kind of be backed, and arcades were all over the place. They were a staple in family time. You know, like, hey, let's go out. Let's go to the arcade. We'll get pizza, whatever. We'll go to the arcade for the night. But it was just a little too much. The general public just fucking hated it. <laughs> and at the same time, at the same exact time yeah. across the globe, over in Japan, Japan standardized the 100 yen coin, which was worth about a dollar, which many people actually say brought stability and longevity to the arcades of Japan. So who knows? Like, maybe that would have actually worked if there was... Like, I don't know, a way to make it close to the quarter, a little bit bigger. The big thing is that they didn't want to change all the arcade machines to accept a larger coin or to accept dollar bills. Plus, you'll spend more coins. You won't spend many dollars. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And, like, no one wants to just, like, fucking pump in four quarters. You feel like you're fucking spending a shitload. And, like, you know, like your timer... You'd have to change the timer on all the games because someone's fucking sweaty palms fumbling around with fucking quarters trying to jam them in the slot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know, like, with some... I don't know if it was always a uh, feature, but when you put one in, it'll reset. Yeah. I bet some that, of them. That probably wasn't always a thing. Yeah. For some Not games. always some of Like, not always, but, yeah, some of them. And uh, on top of that, it's just, like, when you're putting multiple coins into a hole, it's... The likelihood of it getting jammed is pretty fucking high. And uh, it just it just wasn't a good idea. So the dollar coin was really supposed to help. But it didn't. Nope. And what happened next? Well, cabinet sales would decline by half inside three years, but it would have random blips here and there. There was a short two-year renaissance period from 87 to 89, thanks to Double Dragon ushering in the genre of beat-em-ups and the more violent video games in the run-and-gun format. What was that, like, Hogan's Heroes? <laughs> or fucking... No. Hogan's Alley. Something fucking... I can't remember the name of it. There was, like, a Vietnam game where it, like, played where it's, like, a... It kind of played, like, a light gun game, but, like, Mm -hmm. you were just... When did Rush and Attack come in? I don't remember. Um, (laughs) Well, shit. But you'd be, like, behind the back, and it was just a dude running, Mm -hmm. and, like, you had, like, the crosshair that you moved around, and you just, like, shoot at everything. Kind of like Space Harrier, but, like, not as cool. And like, you're just running sideways, not, like... Not, like, all over the fucking... Because yeah. uh, that's closer to being a shmup anyway. Pretty much. Yeah. A really fucking great shmup. So, a lot of companies died in this time, and only the strong survived. See, the council market was also super saturated at the time. Many people saw that buying a council was a dumb move. It was around the same price as a PC, but could only play games. So why the fuck would you do it? So if you wanted to live, you had to do a few things. You had to have a couple very important elements. Great games, a reasonable price, accessible stock, and good hardware. It's in 85 when Nintendo gave us the NES and started their journey to becoming the long-lived kings of home entertainment in America. And it's other companies that made these innovations that were able to survive the great video game crash of America and Atari Shock. 
1991, it was much harder to find cabinets, certainly not in many funeral homes. But arcades were still hangout spots. The cabinet revenues dropped from nearly $9 million to just above $2 million. Many chains went bust, and arcade game developing companies dropped out of cabinet sales completely. So how are you supposed to live off that? Right. By the halfway point in 96, the companies that stuck in the cabinet trade reported 90,000 arcade cabinets sold versus the 150,000 cabinets sold in 90. Concerning the competition from home consoles, most wanted arcade ports for home play because fuck going out and socializing or paying quarters on quarters on quarters during the 1980s. Touching other people's grease. Gross. I want to touch my grease. Yes, my grease. My grease to lubricate the world. (laughs) My home, my grease. Fucking sick. Don't like it? There's no... (laughs) (laughs) During the 1980s, it was common to take several years for an arcade game to be uh, ported to console. And the port was usually pretty fucking different from the arcade predecessor. Yeah, it was pretty shitty. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) like uh, your speed was either much faster or much more slowed down. Uh, Rate of points is different. Oh, this takes this many hits. Bad graphics. Yeah, really bad graphics. Colors are fucking off. Like, why the hell would I spend my money on that? And like, why? How? How and why? And it would take several years to make that port. Now, after learning that this was a very dumb idea to have such a different fucking game come out and take so long, in the mid-90s, it became actually pretty common for a publisher and developer team to release an accurate port of games that had yet to climax in popularity. That's kind of what we see now, except now it's usually like the games uh, kind of get released at the same time. Though, uh, say like Tekken 7, Mm -hmm. like the arcades were bumping for a long fucking time before that game release. I don't know, like... Almost a full year. I don't... Yeah. It was like 10 months. I don't know if it was, like, the PS4 version that uh-huh. we got, or, like, Dark Resur- or Dark Fate Resurrection, the Fatening. <laughs> Fatening. Um, did Japan have a console version before the arcade? I am not sure, actually. Because as far as I, I... I remember seeing... I would... When I was excited for Tekken 7. Well, we would watch videos of people playing. and I People, thought that like, was recording all... their arcade footage. Yeah, because uh, in Japan, they have cabinets. And, I mean, you can probably find some here yeah, you in can, the like, States. log into Twitch or your YouTube channel. Yeah, and it will, like, literally save your entire thing up onto the site. You can edit it there. Or you can literally just stream from the arcade cabinet. That will actually kind of get into, into, like, the more modern uh, arcades and stuff like that. Going too far. We go on too far. I also kind of want to point out too. When I said there were twenty-four thousand arcades, it was two hundred and forty thousand. I missed the zero when I was writing my script. Okay. It was two hundred and forty thousand. Two hundred forty thousand. Two hundred and forty thousand, which is uh, gonna be pretty fucking different in the nineties. Yeah. Oofta. So we move into a much more reverse land, where we see less arcades and less cabinets, but see cabinets in random places more commonly than we see arcades. Like restaurants, hotels, bowling alleys, and like Brent's tale from our first arcade history episode, laundromats and roller rinks. Real quick, I kind of wanted to add that our rec center had a decent arcade with an Area 51 shooter and I think Double Dragon. I mean, like, there was some pinball there and I think a claw machine, too. Yeah. But, uh, 
my brother should be able to tell me what games were there. Like, he'll probably listen and be like, actually. <laughs> that means my tiny town had two Area 51 cabinets. The other one was at Pizza Hut. And it was great because sometimes after training in Taekwondo, my hunger for action had not been quenched, so I could walk across the hall in my dope-ass gi and play some more video games. <laughs> just And then I'd go home and play more video games. Just doing, like, uh... I'm trying to remember Kim from, uh... King of Fighters. Oh, yeah. He did Taekwondo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The tornado kicks. You hit him with, like, the super where you, like, do, like, a bunch of kicks and... Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Backflip kick. Do-do-do-do-do. Yeah. And then big wind-up kick. And then big, like, dive kick. Yeah. <laughs> Something. Fuck, yeah, that's that's what I learned as a green belt. Yeah, just dive kicks. <laughs> dive kicks all, all right, day. Jump five... Like, like, jump, like, 15 feet in the air. All right, now force your body down at a at, a, at an sharp, acute angle. <laughs> a sharp, acute angle. I was like, I've got it. I'm going to aim for this board, and I'll break it. In the late 90s, what is the world's first concept of modern-day barcades opened up? In fact, the coining of the noun happened here. In Melbourne, Australia, the first modern barcade opened. And its name? Barcade. Barcade. Barcade had the latest arcade games, the classics, pool tables, air hockey, and pinball machines. And, of course, enough booze to make you want to wander the wastelands of outer Australia until a koala mauled you to death. Barcade was a critical success. some drip, drip, petrol. Drip, drip, petrol. And the owners would open other barcades in the early 2000s. Then they decided to try their luck in the USA. A barcade opened in Times Square in 2000 and continued to be a smash. (laughs) However, Barcade Times Square closed in March 2003, and then the predecessors from Australia, Barcade Crown Casino, closed in 2006, followed later by King Street and Melbourne Central. In the mid-2000s, a Madrid businessman by the name of Enrique Martinez revised the concept of barcades by creating a, and I'm quoting from an old-ass advertisement here, Hybrid movie theater with fog, black lights, flashing lasers, high-definition digital projectors, vibrating seats, game pads, and dozens of 17-inch screens attached to individual chairs. In short, it was a giant migraine-inducing panosphere. And it was incredibly costly, but it had caught the eye of several companies in Europe, including, like, there was a company in Germany that's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we oh, likes yeah. this idea. Yeah, we're going to uh, oh, make so, it better. You look so good with your little buttons. Let's have, yeah, <laughs> let's do about uh, three dozen of the Dance Dance Revolution. Surely that's no problem for you. Hey, uh, can we can we actually get Wolfenstein 3D on a projector? <laughs> uh, just like on that whole back wall? Nine! <laughs> Nine! <laughs> No, 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 Wolfenstein in this establishment. Yeah, you, nah. better, you better not. <laughs> do I have to hit you in face with schnitzel? Do not make me do it, Hansel. <laughs> so, of course, our veterans of the arcade video game crash saw now that they would have to bring some crazy innovations to the arcade experience in order to make it a viable market again. So that's just it. The revitalization came from very risky innovations. So what we see here is Konami used early VR tech for player motion and position in their game Police 911 
in 2000, and then MoCap Boxing in 2001. I've actually played a couple of those MoCap Boxing games. They're mm. not too bad, but it's it's that early VR tech. Uh, 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 rough, um, uh, primitive, maybe? It Yeah, primitive is the best way to put it. You're not going to lose because you suck. You're going to lose because like, the, the game, game sucks. Can't keep up with you. <laughs> exactly. Like, you're not going to dip, duck, dodge. Yeah. Dodge. Yeah. Uh... Sega started using what are called tuning cards in games such as the initial D series of games, allowing the customer to save game data on unique memory cards given to players directly from the cabinet. little quick note here. When I was in uh, Seattle, when my sister lived there for about 10 years, they had this massive fucking arcade. Mm -hmm. It was a barcade. They kept the bar completely separate. And uh, that means, like, there was a fucking door there that said, like, hey, if you're under 21, you can't come in. But they had, like, full food, bar, everything in there. And it was, like, three stories, if I remember right. It was two or three stories of just a shitload of games. And, like, they had the big-ass cabinets. They had a fucking F-Zero cabinet, like uh, GX that came out on the GameCube. Mm Mm-hmm. I was so pissed because I went to go check it out. For one thing, it was very expensive. It was like $2 to play. And they had uh, they used the cards. They switched over to uh, allowing you to swipe debit cards, credit cards, or just put in money to get plastic, shitty little uh, throwawayable cards that you could then slide into machines like an ATM, mm-hmm. which is very smart because, one no one's going to fucking pay attention to how much money they actually have. You're not giving away money. You already did that. Yeah, you don't have, like, a physical inventory. Yeah, you just have a fucking card, and you're going to swipe it until it says, no, you can't play that anymore. (laughs) Yeah. And um, that, that I think, also kind of helped bring in a lot more business. And a lot of businesses went to the card format, and they're like, no, we're going to do away with all currency, no tokens, no quarters, uh, no bucks. We are literally just going to have these cards. The one in... uh, Waterloo, uh, that I broke that fucking Fist of the North Star boxing game. Yeah. That's kind of incriminating, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I was going ham with a 100 fist rush and, uh... As you should. Yeah. And I was going against Shin and it was the last boss and, like, I was fucking nailing him and, uh, I punched the last fucking punch pad that came up and it turned the fucking game off. And, like, the screen went all fucky. And I just walked away. I walked out of the whole arcade after that. I was just like, nope. And I think that might have been the last time I went. It might be. And the whole building crumbled as you left. Dude, it doesn't exist anymore. It's gone. And then then the announcer was like, (laughs) Arcade crusher. Yeah. it's it's just a very, very smart idea with these fucking cards. But what I was kind of getting at... Like, you have... However many months to live. Yeah, as yeah. You, as you left the building. Four to six months before bankruptcy. <laughs> yeah. No Ken. They're like, Nani? <laughs> and then they sit It's impossible. We're doing then, so well. And then they just get really depressed and their business goes yeah. belly up. But, uh, no, like, uh, I was so pissed because I saw this F-Zero cabinet, right? And it had a fucking slot for a GameCube memory card. And you could put in the uh, memory card and it would give you, like, a fuckload of... Uh, like zero racer uh i guess you'd call them car parts but then you also get i think three other pilots and three new fucking cars and i was so fucking i was like why didn't i pack my gamecube memory card (laughs) thinking that i would have somehow known yeah you know especially at age 10 you could do that with like memory cards 
for like Tekken. Yeah. Yeah, you can bring your memory card in because like, you had your PS customized controllers. Character. Yeah, you had like your customized character or like yeah, you could bring controllers. They had controller ports. That is the innovation that brought people to want to go and see these things. And then of course you had really sweet ass cabinets like we were talking about with Taito and in our Darius ser- uh, series. Their cabinets for those games are so fucking sweet yeah. with their multi screens, and then like the fact that they have a bench where you and three friends can sit on somewhat comfortably, more or less less comfortably than you'd think. Um, but then, like, you know, you're sitting right there and it's like couch play, but at an arcade. Yeah, that's fucking brilliant. It's it's games like that that brought back life. Watch your head when you get out. Yeah, remember that. I saw that uh, when I was playing earlier today because it even says that on the uh, on the console version. I was like, oh, I will. <laughs> you know, if I grow twelve feet and hit the ceiling in my living room. Because you got real big score. You got big taller now. Yeah, yeah. You know me. I'm all about the big score, and my ego get real big though. <laughs> so other than Sega doing doing that, well, then Namco of course had to copy Sega for their series, uh, Maximum Tune. Whatever the fuck Maximum Tune was, I'm sure that was a hit. Oh, we should play Maximum Chase for the original Xbox. Maximum Chase? Yeah, dude. Is that where you play as a guy named Chase and you're just like, oh, dude, I've got the keg for the kegerator. Oh, <laughs> Max Chase. It's time oh to drive cars God. now. It is, it's, it's very much a Japanese mm-hmm. vision of America, though. Right. So, of course, it's going to be awesome. I hope that the main character is Max Chase. You might as well be. So other than like those big names, arcade games world over also employed other gimmicks to reel in players, such as motorized seating areas, interconnected games, surround sound systems, and uniquely designed cabinets. Like, uh, you ever play the Jurassic Park Safari game? And like you have to like lift up the like camouflage net to get into the Jeep. <laughs> and like their cabinet is a literal fucking Jeep. It's pretty sweet. It's like there was a good um there was a good Sega shooter where like I can't remember what it was called but like it was like a safari some kind of safari game mm-hmm. and the best time I was with my girlfriend at the time I might have talked about this on an earlier episode but I'm gonna talk about it again mm-hmm. um there's a part where you're in like a a boat going down a river and you're being attacked by frogs and you have to use paddles to bash the frogs before they hit you. That sounds fun (laughs) as fuck, though. Yeah. I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. As I'm, like, batting frogs. And it's during this time, too, that, like, yeah, we get games that are like, hey, we have something other than buttons and sticks to play these games with. Uh, Silent Scope, you have a literal fucking giant sniper rifle, and, like, your game is on the screen, but it's also in your scope. Yeah. We covered that briefly in our VR episode. Um, Then, uh, at Gameworks also, my sister got really drunk, and she found a game where you play as a firefighter, and the the controller is literally a giant fire hose. And she's drunk, and she's like, hit the fire in the face! And she's, like, aiming the hose. At the fire's face. Aim, aim for the fire's weak point. <laughs> yeah, that's literally what it said. It's like, aim for the base, the weak point of the fire. Yeah. <laughs> Save the civilians. To defeat the fire. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, th- those are the games that I want to go to an arcade and find. Those are the games I want to play. Yeah, stuff that just is like stupidly obvious, like yeah. overly game, like Gamey. gamified stuff. <laughs> like, defeat the weak point of thirst. <laughs> By drinking, Chug, chugging all these fruit beers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's games like that that you know really started kind of bringing people to like want to check out new 
arcade games, but at the same time, the seeds of nostalgia began to bloom and the industry began to see a small revival in the interest of classic games. And the interest in old school arcades grew with the opening of Barcade in Brooklyn, New York in 2004. Barcade combined classic golden age arcade style games with the bar scene that everyone desires and then all of these new arcade games as well. When I was in Eugene, dude, I played so much like random fucking like Street Fighter arcade cabinet that I've never seen fucking uh konami's strikers games like and then there was just a hallway full of fucking pinball it was really fucking great yeah and then of course like you could literally just drink this is right there and then all of them had cup holders they had cup holders which was really really smart so that you know you're not resting your shit on the cabinet you're like oh sorry i fucking spilled my cosmo all over your fucking cabinet yeah. My bad. Where else was I supposed to leave my drink? <laughs> You're the best, Kilroy. Kilroy would not let that happen. He, he would not. That is a fucking party foul. So these guys received a lot of recognition as a tight place to play classic cabinets because it was, as someone reviewed it, one of the few places where these classic games can still be found in public and in good working order. That's just it. Is a lot of them had a... Uh, been used so many times they wear and tear yeah. they break down the last arcade i went to um like their tekken 5 mm-hmm. was just com- implayable just fucked up yeah and then yeah now the place is dead <laughs> it, it's sad man you know like uh you gotta take care of your your machines if you want to make money on them yeah and if you want players to actually be able to enjoy them like not everybody's gonna be like hey your arcade machine's fucked up right like, it's just going to go unnoticed and be like, nah, nah, I'm going to try something else. Like, they're, they're, the employees that were there were just, like, hollow shells. Yeah. Like, if you talk to them, it's like the Dark Souls I thing, which is like, always, they're already dead. <laughs> I always wanted to work in an arcade. Yeah. But I feel like I wouldn't be able to play them. Right. You know what I mean? Be like, you have to make sure that kids aren't shitting on yeah. the floor. They will shit. They'll go over to the mini golf section and just poop in all the holes. <laughs> yeah, hole in one, too. They'll take the mini golf clubs and, like smash them into the different game cabinets. They'll fuck on the motorcycle bike from uh, Super Hang-On. Well, why wouldn't you? I mean, I already did, so <laughs> I was actually talking about shit that I did in real life. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it, it's places like this. Like, Barcade success influenced similar businesses like Dave & Buster's or Iowa's uh, Up Down in Des Moines. The idea of that symbiotic relationship because... The, the people that grew up playing games are also adults. Yeah, why not uh, drown your nostalgic sorrows mm-hmm. by getting hammered and playing these games for People already go to uh, bars to mingle with friends and just kind of uh, play catch-up or whatever. But what if you could get them to continue to spend money when they're, n- like when they're, when they're drinking? drinking? Yeah. Like, they might still be drinking, but in between buying drinks, they're still spending money. Yeah. That's pretty fucking brilliant. So the whole time that you have a customer in the building, you're making money. It's a tried-and-true method. It really is. So those guys that uh, that open up Arcade kind of saved Arcades <laughs> and came up with, like, this ridiculously good business plan. I feel like we barely talked about, like, how in, like, the 90s, like, fighting mm-hmm. games were, like... The Fortnite. <laughs> yeah, everyone's like, why? So many fucking fighting games. And of course, you know, like uh, Capcom being all pissed off because people are like, yo, let's put super moves in there. Yeah, like, hey, let's put special moves in Cap's like, hey, no. Yeah. Button inputs to do things? No, that's our shit. <laughs> I'll see you in court. And then, yeah. like, the judge was like, 
so you have to press buttons yeah to do things yeah in a game yeah and they're like yeah and we're doing that too like so how no Capcom stop it <laughs> stop being dumb and they're like oh so yeah like, like don't worry Capcom we're not we're, we won't stay mad at you but you you gotta quit that shit <laughs> and that's just it it's like you know um during that kind of low point in the 90s that uh say like 91 to 98 when there's like not very many arcades I video remember, games started kind of getting a little bit more uh I remember, diverse i remember seeing uh like semi trucks with like trailers for there's mortal kombat 3 4 or four. I yeah. mean, there probably I saw, was. I'm I sure there was. I saw some threes. Yeah, can you imagine? I, I wish I was driving on the highway in the '90s, blasting my like corn tape. Papadina. <laughs> like, I look out the window and I got double take. I'm like, what? Whoa, it's coming! <laughs> it's Mortal Kombat Four, dude. Yeah. Look at those 3D graphics. And I'm like, you know, you'd go into like if you're like in a, a huge metropolitan area, they'd also have people uh, hired to dress up like video game characters. It's like, dude. If I would have had a disposable camera with me all the time, I yeah. would have tried to find the entire character roster. And then you get combat coins to unlock in the crypt. Yeah, yeah, you know. Because <laughs> I need don't that. get spooked in there. Oh, dude, I got spooked a few times. But yeah, no, like, think about posing with a dude that's dressed up like Raiden and he's doing, like, the shock attack at you. And you're like, ooh. But you're, like, trying to take a selfie with a disposable camera. Yeah. Yeah, it's I like beautiful. To, uh... Did you ever, like, used to bash disposable cameras just right so you'd, like, knock the flash? Yeah, that dude. That was fun. Oh, yeah, have a whole room of friends and be like, all right, who wants to get blinded? Yeah. Like, I don't know why I can, I can still see. So, like, games had to become more diverse. That's where we got fatalities and different super moves, flashy moves, uh, different looks of these different games, which then led to the innovations of the early 2000s when they're like, okay, but what if you had to play this a completely different way. And what are some things that we could do to our cabinet? Well, what if we put our move list, like a brief move list, on like the cabinet here and there? Like, oh, Liu Kang? Yeah, he's right up here on the left-hand side yeah, of the I cabinet. Went, when I went to Tilt, the last arcade, um, they had a CVS 2, Catcom vs. SNK. Yep. Um, and yeah, they had like pretty much just a very basic rudimentary move list for every single goddamn character. Like, yeah, it's printed under the monitor and like across and like on the sides. Yeah, you just have to kind of like look around, find your fucking character. I mean, like the dudes I picked, I already kind of knew. So <laughs> yeah, which I mean, if you didn't know, why the fuck you dado? Yeah. So like I said, like these these ideas, they just kind of saturated the whole world. Mm. You could say that they had reached. Complete, Complete global <laughs> saturation. I really love that cutscene. Ah, it's same. Because he's like heavily breathing, but he's like, <laughs> he's like hunched over. Like he's like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm an angsty teen. Yeah. And here we are today, alive and super happy about arcades again. Brent, we need to start a list of places to visit. Like maybe I can, I don't know, it's get like, the owner of Up Down in Des Moines to do a bonus interview. So diners, drive-ins, and dives. It's like well, we talked about that dicks. YouTube series like fucking forever ago. Sticks, sticks. buttons, and chicks. Because it's dogs. We go to arcades and dogs, and then and then and then have a lot of sex for some reason. It's like why? <laughs> but with the game, yeah. Hey, yo, does this cabinet have a glory hole? Yeah. Like, hey, is there a gremlin in this cabinet? Because you're on I, watch. I got this one. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking That's wish. That's disgusting. <laughs> so like I said, like, hopefully, maybe sometime in the future, I can get a hold of the owner of Up Down in Des Moines and do, like, a interview with him as, like, a bonus episode. We should also try and visit the video game capital of the world in Otumwa, Iowa, and do a follow-up episode. Yeah. 
I want to go see the fucking video game capital of the world. I wonder if any uh, monuments remain to the gamers of past. I hope it's a giant, stupid fucking, like, stick and button pad. <laughs> and it's just like... Some dude with, like, a mullet and, like, pube mustache. <laughs> just like... Hi, my name's Steven. Welcome to the video game capital of the world. Yeah. It's Honestly, it's probably that fucking dude that teaches you uh, combos and shit like that from... Um, uh, fucking what the hell? Let it die. Let it die. Thank you so much. Yeah, with this fucking Jufro and his uh, trucker hat and the weird way he holds the, yeah, the stick, the, yeah. the the traditional fucking pro way of holding a stick. It's too pro. And now it's plug time. It's plug time. It's plug time. So uh, as always, we have our merch shop open, and I kind of have to amend myself. That uh, URL is teespring.com backslash stores backslash podcast number four TWO people so that's the number four then TWO people you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash podcast number four two people Instagram at podcast for the number two people Twitter is at PDCST number four two people (laughs) I know this is like a lot of words but you can find us everywhere we're on those and uh, at patreon.com you can give to us to get better equipment like uh, I think I said a couple episodes ago our next thing that we're looking at is possibly a a new mixing board something fun like that I should start looking at those so yeah that would be really rad if we could uh, if we could actually get our hands on something like that I currently have a few patrons so we are making money now yay (laughs) but if you actually uh, hit us up on social media send us a message or comment on the page give us a recommendation as far as what you'd like to see us on or uh, hey here's an idea rate and review us on iTunes screenshot that shit and then send it as a message or a PM or fucking whatever the fuck you want to call them to one of our social media pages and we will respond to you with a 20% off coupon to our merch store. Boom, 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 boom. And uh, we'll do that for, I don't know, whoever the fuck wants to do it. Yeah, whoever fucking does it first. Yeah, whoever does it first. And uh, to anyone that comes after that, I don't know, you'll still probably maybe get something. Try it. See what happens. I dare you. Right then. That's all I've got as far as uh, the evolution of the arcade. I uh, I hope you enjoyed that. Yeah. I hope it wasn't uh, too much. I had fun. My mind has expanded to accept <laughs> all arcade cabinets, and now I just really want to go play Darius. Yeah. So I think that's what we should go do, Brent. No, uh, yeah. Yeah. The the old uh, time honored tradition of playing shmups after we do something. Hell yeah! <laughs> Thanks again, guys. It was a great time, and we'll. Talk to you next week, I suppose. Bye. Bye. Bye.